What's up, founders, and welcome back to the In Demand podcast, where we talk all about how to reach your very first 1 million in ARR. I'm your host, Asia Arangio, and I'm the founder of Demand Maven, where we work with early stage SaaS companies on reaching their very first growth milestones. Let's do this. Hey, folks. Okay, so today we are going to talk all about the top five growth drivers. All right, so I'm going to be honest. I actually don't remember exactly where I got this list. It was either Caitlin Burgoyne, which if you don't follow Caitlin on Twitter, I think she's at Kate, K-A-T-E, Bohr, B-O-U-R. She's incredible. Uh, She's a huge fan of customer research and customer uh, interviews, which uh, I cannot deny. I am also a huge fan. So shout out to Kate. Um, However, I'm pretty sure this list might have come from her, but just in case it didn't, it probably came from an HBR article that I read like a million years ago, and I just can't remember where I got this from. But it's actually something that I keep pretty close to my heart whenever I'm working with any company on growth. And the top five growth drivers are growing awareness, growing traffic, capturing more leads, increasing sales, and increasing business capacity. The three that I am like lasered into whenever I'm working with any client in any capacity are, I'm really looking at two through four. I'm looking at, are we growing traffic? Are we capturing more leads? And are we increasing sales? Now, this might sound really obvious, but when it comes to these growth drivers, there are some quantitative things that happen here while also qualitative things. So let's talk about growing awareness, because I think that's the thing that is the, on the one hand, one of the hardest things to track, although not impossible. So awareness, growing awareness, it's, I mean, it's the impressions KPI that you see a lot. Uh, It's also the KPI that some people will use like for mentions, like if there are social mentions. So for example, if people are out on Twitter or Facebook and they're mentioning your brand, we can consider that as part of brand awareness. Brand awareness, however, and growing awareness in general can also come from word of mouth. So we look at how many testimonials or referrals are people making. Sometimes that can be concretely tracked through like a referral program or referral link. And sometimes that is not tracked at all. Like there's not really any way to know exactly how much or how many referrals are actually happening um, when, you know, that aren't specifically like on a particular channel or like trackable in some kind of way. But growing awareness pretty much implies, from a qualitative perspective at least, that more people are aware of the brand, of the problem that it solves, and they are aware of the uh, the solution that your product ultimately provides. And again, it's really tough to measure awareness, I think, from like a spiritual sense, because it's basically like, 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 how do you measure someone's mind, uh, you know, like triggering and saying, oh, yeah, I know about this now. Like, I'm aware. I get it. But usually we will look at behaviors that indicate awareness, such as leaving testimonials or referring to others or um, mentioning a product or referring a product in some kind of channel or what have you. So growing awareness is one of those growth drivers that many teams absolutely focus on in the early days, but we really don't find this as becoming a true growth lever until you've hit some kind of scale in a market and you have market share in a particular software category. HubSpot is the example that I like to use a lot because it's something that we are all relatively familiar with. Salesforce is also an example that I tend to use here because we're all relatively familiar with Salesforce and its journey. But those are two companies that 
started uh, kicking off intense awareness, then focused on the other growth drivers, and then came back and did even more awareness all the way up to ordering like Super Bowl TV ads even. The next growth driver is probably the one that I would say most companies start with first, and it's growing traffic. They are growing traffic to their websites. They are growing foot traffic to their stores if you have a brick and mortar. But nine times out of 10, it's probably to your website. It's probably to your digital store, which is what your website is. It is your digital storefront. And traffic is, I would say, relatively easy to track. We're probably going to use Google Analytics or Fathom or something to help us understand how much traffic that we're getting. Uh, But this is really how many people are visiting the website. So when it comes to traffic, I would say this is extremely straightforward from a growth driver perspective. Most teams have to start growing traffic in the very early days. They probably don't stop, to be honest. But these days, generating traffic is more competitive than ever, especially from an SEO perspective or a paid acquisition perspective. So growing traffic as a growth driver Uh, absolutely huge. Obviously, the more people who get exposure to the brand and the more people who actually come to the brand's website, um, the more likely we increase our chances for a sale in some kind of way. The next growth driver is capturing more leads. Now, this is where we start to get more complex. It's not as straightforward as just generating traffic to the website, which I would say is quite straightforward. But capturing more leads really indicates that we have a website experience that is converting into a lead of some kind. That could be a trial. That could be creating an account. Uh, If you're freemium, that could be purchasing something outright. It could be signing up for a newsletter. It could be booking a demo. There's all kinds of ways that we can generate a lead. And ideally, these are relatively bottom of the funnel activities. However, these could also be middle and top of the funnel activities. So capturing more leads is actually huge. It's a huge growth driver because there's many different types of leads and also many different types of leads happening at different stages of the funnel um, or life cycle, whatever you want to call it. But capturing more leads, not only does this imply that we are increasing the volume, but it also implies that we're increasing the conversion rate of that. So when we think about website to lead, whether that's trial or demo or whatever it is, we are also ultimately thinking about conversion rate. So does our website actually perform in the way that we want to? But it doesn't have to just be our website. It could also be campaigns. Do we have campaigns that are running that are generating leads? If we do, how well are those campaigns performing? Because again, the driver here is to capture more leads and more can be a conversion rate. It can be an increased net over net volume or both of those things. And when it comes to capturing more leads, we basically look at all of the ways that we are doing that or aren't doing that. And then we identify gaps to close from there. Next is increasing sales. So just for a quick caveat, when it comes to what we analyze in a business, the top three things that we're looking at are growing traffic, capturing more leads and increasing sales. We actually do look at the last thing, but nine times out of 10, we're making recommendations on two through four. Increasing sales. So this also is quite huge. It's not just all about activation, which it certainly could be, but it's also about the profitability. So how do we increase sales? Well, we're also looking at from a demo or from a trial or from a freemium account, how many of those people become paying customers? That's the conversion rate from trial to paid or demo to paid, whichever one. Your close rate is another th- is another way that we can think about this. 
However, just simply closing the deal or converting the trial into a paying customer, that's one way of increasing sales. The other way is, okay, how do we improve the conversion rate overall? And then there's also how do we accelerate the sales cycle? So instead of it taking 60 days to to close a customer, what if it took us 20 days or even 10 days to close a customer? So we are, again, increasing sales. We're increasing the volume of sales here. Uh, There's, in addition to acceleration, there's also the profitability. So this is where we get into revenue optimization and also pricing strategy. But when we think about how do we increase sales, we're looking at also expansion revenue and potentially any upsell, cross-sell, aka expansion. But then there's also how do you maximize what someone is going to ultimately spend or buy based off of the value that they're hoping to receive and hopefully do receive at the end of the day. So increasing sales is actually a huge growth driver. It's very big. It's not just did we convert the trial into the paying customer or did we close the demo into a paying customer, but it's also how did we maximize the profit out of this sale? Did we accelerate the deal um, or and or trial conversion? So instead of taking, again, 60 days, it took 10. And then there's also the profitability. Did we sell them the right thing that gave them the absolute maximum value for also the most ideal profit? Then, then finally, there's expansion revenue. After they became a customer, did they expand into larger accounts or into larger paying accounts or whatever it is? So increasing sales, actually huge. Number four, huge, huge, huge growth driver. Just enormous because we really dig into all the different opportunities. And then finally, there's increasing business capacity. This is where we think about hiring, operations, processes, and the overall internal flow of things. Now, number five is really sneaky because a lot of founders and teams kind of feel like number five is like a thing that they don't have to think about. And I don't blame them because it doesn't seem like you would grow more by increasing business capacity. Like it doesn't seem like it would be that obvious. But I actually want to tell you a quick story about how this actually does make a huge difference. There is a client that we have been helping grow uh, over the, the, the past, I would say, two years. And we first helped them 4X in growth. And then later, we helped them 10X in growth, which was really cool. And it was like a super proud moment. Um, one of those moments where you're just like, yes, like you want every client to get there. You want every client to go through that experience. But in this particular case, the timing just worked out extremely well. And also, they actually listened to us, which is, I think, another very big thing. Um, They listened to our recommendations and they actually implemented most, if not all of them. So when it comes to growth, one of the biggest gaps that we identified that they should close from a growth perspective, while sure, we could certainly grow more traffic, um, we can always grow more awareness. There's never a time where we don't want to necessarily do that. And of course, we want to capture more leads and increase sales. Like those were all quite obvious. But the final frontier for this particular company was actually business capacity. It was just really clear that the CEO just couldn't do it all by themselves. They needed someone to help them from an operational perspective and also from a product perspective. The CEO was at a place where they simply couldn't just be the everything anymore, and they had to delegate and uh, assign specific roles to specific people and ultimately hire for those roles. And one of the recommendations that we made to them was, hey, we think that you need an ops person because the CEO was absolutely brilliant, total visionary, really understood how all the different pieces in the business worked. And 
was also extremely stretched thin. Like we're talking like super stretched thin. Like if we got five minutes of the CEO's time, it was like the best day ever. (laughs) And it was just really clear that they needed to find someone who had operational skills who could help take these big projects off of their plates. The CEO could really go focus on doing what they did best, which was really being the face of the company, um, supporting marketing and the work that we were doing, of course, but then also um, facilitating and creating relationships within the industry to just, you know, create more opportunities to grow. So we recommended that they hired an ops person because to us, it didn't make sense that the CEO was still doing basically everything when it came to product, managing the engineering team. They were still also working with us from like a marketing and growth perspective. And then on top of that, it was really hard for them to really commit to larger projects. And what ended up happening was the CEO was split across like a hundred small tasks that popped up in a million different places. And oh yeah, and then on top of that, like managing the sales team as well. Um, So with an ops person, this person ideally would help them uh, create internal structure and processes to really facilitate team alignment while also taking off some of the big projects off the plate, like hiring a sales consultant and then um, hiring a product manager and then making some of the other key hires that they needed to make. And what we found was when the CEO finally did find an ops person, we found that that CEO's capacity basically tripled on top of every function and department that got a key hire just dramatically improved. And even now, I'm still in awe at how much of a difference it made to hire more people, more capable, skilled people in the roles that they needed to that they needed to play that would also not only free up the CEO, but actually deliver like better than the C- what the CEO was doing, which is also really cool. And I think like my favorite moment was when the CEO kind of realized like, um, I think I, there was like a conversation like during, I think a, um, a company all hands and the CEO was like, wow, I didn't realize I wasn't that good at product management until I worked with an actual product manager. And it was, it was, well, one, hilarious because we were all like, yeah, <laughs> but it also just, it, it just proved that, wow, like the capacity for us to be able to grow is very much dependent on the skills and the bandwidth and availability of the team. And so in a way, the CEO was uh, unintentionally blocking their own growth by still trying to do it all, which was absolutely wild and crazy. And if I'm being honest, I'm kind of experiencing the same thing myself in my company. I'm kind of like, oh man, I'm actually, I'm the problem. (laughs) I'm the roadblock. I need to get out of the way. But anyway, so number five is sneaky. I tell that whole long story because business capacity, this is hiring operations. This is also process, how the company just actually does things, how you guys make decisions, and then who has final say, and then how do you move on after you make a decision? And then do you retroactively measure things? Like, do you retroactively go back and revisit how things performed? Growth can actually sometimes come from, actually, I say sometimes, most of the time, growth comes from how your team and organization just simply functions. How does it function and operate? Because I can tell you that blind execution and uh, sometimes even too much strategy, no execution those are things that can drain resources so quick and ultimately kill a company. Um, So don't knock or miss out on number five, because if you're doing one through four, you're growing awareness, you're growing traffic, you're capturing more leads and you're increasing sales, 
the final frontier is really, do you have the capacity to do all the things you're trying to do? And uh, I remember there's another conversation that I had with a, with a CEO founder who was saying that uh, we were troubleshooting some paid acquisition campaigns for them. And there was some paid acquisition stuff that was done inside of Google Ads that I think the intention was there, but it wasn't converting as well as it could. And when we optimized it, we started generating demo requests like very, very quickly. And when that happened, it became really clear that the CEO wasn't actually prepared to handle the new volume <laughs> and because because the CEO was also the sales team. And so they realized, oh, crap, we got to go hire salespeople to handle the volume of demos requests that we're getting, which is a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong. But it was also kind of nerve wracking because it's also just as easily it, – it's also just as easy to accidentally burn through leads, which is something that we never want to do. So – Increasing business capacity, it's a sneaky one, but it is also an extremely valid one. In fact, now, whenever we do growth audits, so growth audits are a standalone service that we offer now. Whenever we do growth audits, we actually have added a processes and performance section because it forces us to analyze how the company currently operates from a growth perspective. And also we added a team section as well to our audit to identify, are there any team gaps? Like are Uh, based off of the growth goals, do they actually have the people that they need to acquire or to achieve those goals? So with the top five growth drivers, and again, like this is a, this is a quick one, but when it comes to the top five growth drivers, I would say nine times out of 10, when we're looking at early stage companies, like really, really early stage, it's really, it's really all about how do you grow traffic? How do you capture more leads and how do you increase sales? When you start getting into more mature companies, it's the whole enchilada, growing awareness, traffic, more leads, sales, and business capacity. But in the early days, two through four are really where companies need to start. And I mentioned earlier that four is huge. So increasing sales, it's not just about converting more customers. It's also about expanding those customer accounts, providing more value. How do you um, not only increase your conversion rate of, of customers acquired, but then also, how do you ensure that those customers also eventually expand over time, which is the real secret sauce to SaaS growth? And if you don't believe that net negative churn is possible, I'm here to tell you that I have seen it and I've experienced it and I have worked for and with companies that have had net negative churn, which basically meant that customers were expanding their accounts faster than they were churning, which is really cool. Um, so net negative churn is like the dream is absolutely 100% possible. But of course, you need a pretty optimized uh, customer experience for that to happen. But anyway, okay, so top five growth drivers. So here's some homework. If you were to just like take a pause and think about the top five growth drivers, which are growing awareness, growing traffic, capturing more leads, increasing sales and increasing business capacity. What are the top two, just two, just pick two, don't say all five. <laughs> what are the top two ones that you think you need to most focus on? And I talked about focusing before. So I'm going to give you some like, some parameters here. Give yourself six months to improve those two things and to pull those two growth drivers. But based off of that, when you think about those growth drivers, again, you've picked two. What are the top three to five projects within those two growth drivers that you picked? 
So for example, if you picked growing traffic as one of your top two, what are the top three to five projects that you think will most likely help you pull that lever? Growing traffic can mean I am going to write five articles. I am going, so that's maybe one project. A second project would be I'm going to write 10 Twitter threads of each of those articles. A second project, um, maybe another project is I am going to run two paid acquisition campaigns. And maybe a third project or fourth project might be I am going to go guest post or guest blog on, um, you know, these people's blogs, blah, blah, blah. So that those are like, you know, your top three to five projects for that one growth driver. Um, so that is your homework for today. Uh, those growth drivers, like I said, I keep those in the back of my mind pretty much every time I'm talking to a client or even like in a sales call. Um, my job as strategist is to really think about, okay, what are this, like, what are the top growth drivers for this client? And what are the first two that we're going to recommend that they focus on? And then from there, what are the top projects that come out of that? And that is literally, quite literally the process that we go through, or at least one of. Um, but anyway, I hope this was helpful. I hope that this framework was insightful for you. And yeah, I'm super curious, like what growth drivers you, uh, you're thinking about pulling and which ones were surprising for you, if any. All right. Thanks again. Have a good one, y'all. Bye. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me. To learn more about how to reach your growth goals for your SaaS business, head on over to demandmaven.io. You'll find all kinds of free resources, articles, and content. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already, and I'll see you on the next one.